Welcome to the Yellow Jackets Hive. I am Media Melanie here with. And I'm Emily. And today we are here to fully dissect and spill all about Yellow Jackets Season 2, Episode 3, Digestive. Um, of course, we talked briefly in our Hive After Dark Yellow Jackets after show last night. We had um, our fan friend Brian on and got to share some of his insights. We got to chat a little bit with the fans in the comments, which was super fun. And uh, today we're here to dive a little bit deeper into the episode. So, yes, welcome. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to share that we have actually put together a Yellow Jackets bingo card. Um, it's an Instagram story format in our Canva account. So I'm just going to put the banner up here quickly. It is tinyurl.com slash yellowjacketsbingo. Um, it's really easy to just go in there. You can replace this text with your own Yellow Jackets theories and then share it on social media. It's kind of just a fun way to track all of the different fan theories, you know, what's true, what's not true. Um, we've had a lot of questions answered already, Emily, this season, I feel yes. like, um, you know, I think an interesting one is is rabies girl and also uh something we saw in this episode simone with blood on her hands uh lottie mm -hmm. with blood on her hands um which are hallucinations so i find that yeah. to be very interesting um some of these visuals are not based in reality which is something the showrunners have been talking about so yeah and i think the further we go the more we're going to see hallucinations and we're going to see less reality like because as we saw like coach ben hallucinated a lot during this episode like i think most of the hallucinations were centered around him and his memory of paul and what he wished happened instead of what actually happened so that was really interesting to me to see the actual reality of what happened between them and then seeing like what he wished would have happened between them. Right. And and that was a little sad. And, you know, we'll get into a little a little bit more. But man, the 90s were a tough time for being a gay man. And it's just so sad to revisit those moments when, you know, things are not like they are today, where yeah. people are more welcoming and accepting as we should be. Um, so yeah, poor, yeah. poor Ben, I, I feel like he had kind of a rough episode. And so this episode, again, is called Digestive. Um, a Digestive is an after dinner um, alcoholic beverage to kind of help along digestion. And I think that episode name works really well for this because it was a chance yeah. for us to kind of slow down, hit the brakes a little bit. You know, we've seen some ear consumption. We've seen some uh, Jackie <laughs> consumption. I mean, gosh, those girls like absolutely picked her bones dry. Look at those fingers. There is not yeah. even like an ounce of flesh left on them. So this episode is a good opportunity to do some more storytelling, um, you know, catch up a little bit on some of the other plot points and um, just again, pump the brakes a little bit from like yeah. our soft cannibalism that we've seen already. So the first two episodes were a lot to digest, if you will. So this episode was a nice like I know we said that the show like ebbs and flows and this was a nice little breather from all of the chaos that we saw unfold in episode two. It absolutely was. And with that, Emily, why don't you read Showtime's episode description of Digestive? Yes. The girls experience an unusual hangover. Shauna learns the thrill of peer-to-peer -peer car rentals. Natalie audits Lottie's class in emotional apology. Ty reflects, Misty hits the high seas, and you've never attended a baby shower like the one the Yellow Jackets throw here. Oh my goodness. Um, Showtime shared some photos on Twitter from this episode. We we see Shauna going into the um, auto yard, Nat peeking in a window, Van messing with one of the dead birds, and of course, Walter Tattersall there uh, questioning Randy. So those were some moments we'll get into here. But um, overall, I mean, I think one of the big takeaways from this episode was like the monologues. I feel like the yeah. character development, right. That we saw with Nat in the teen timeline, giving her mm -hmm. kind of monologue and goodbye to Jackie and her bones. We saw Shauna's monologue, um, which was, you know, just gave all the vibes of do not fuck with Shauna. Like what else has she done in the present day timeline that we haven't seen? Oh my goodness. And um, then of course, you know, we see Misty with her deal. Um, delivery 
for her baby shower gift. So those were some three pretty big character driven moments, um, you know, with important dialogue. So, um, so those were, those were some important moments. Um, Some other questions that were answered in this episode, we now have confirmed Walter Witness, of course, who is Randy Walsh. And, you know, has a little freak out about that, of course, because she knows Randy. Um, Also, he made somebody eat a frog in elementary school. I know. I love that little detail. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And then, of course, you know, we've learned what happens to Jackie's remains after she was eaten. Nat um, takes them away. So there's some questions answered. Hopefully next week we'll get more questions answered. Um, We actually have Luciano, uh, who plays Javi, joining us on the Hive After Dark next week. So we are hoping to get some Javi answers uh, next week. So stay tuned for that. That will be so much fun. I think Um, we're going to get some. I, I hope do. so. I, I mean, we see Lottie crawling through this hatch. Where yes. is she going? Is this a hallucination or not? Do they find Javi? I mean, all I keep thinking of is the preview for the season where, you know, the girls are marching with a body strung up on the stick yep. with a little converse. And I just keep thinking, please don't be Javi because it looks like they're hauling a dead body back. Um, so I, I don't love to see that. I'm hoping Javi is alive, but... Just based off of what we saw in episode two, though, like when Natalie does that whole thing with Javi's pants and the blood and like plants them to show Travis that Javi's dead, that like really makes me think that like there is a possibility that he could still be alive just because it would add to the plot. Like she would have to explain herself as to like where the pants came from, if they find Javi fully clothed. Travis is going to learn that's a lie and that would definitely cause some major friction between Natalie and Travis. And like I said before, possibly even the rest of the group, if the rest of the group is not okay with Natalie lying about what she lied about as well. I mean, it's a pretty big lie. And if she does get caught in it, which it seems that she will either way, whether he's dead or not dead. um, Yikes. I do think there will be some fallout. And, you know, that potentially explains the strange relationship that Natalie has with Lottie and, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. some of the others in the the future timeline. So um, or present day timeline, I should say. Uh, Let's start with the teen timeline and just kind of go chronologically through what happened and we'll analyze as it goes. Uh, Emily. The episode opens up with Coach Ben imagining a conversation with Paul. Yes, he is. They are like, and part of me thinks that he hallucinates this because he's hungry. Because in the conversation, they're talking about clam chowder. And they're talking about a clam chowder cook-off. And about how Paul is taking it too seriously. And that trans, that goes into... I think at that point, like, it just shows them kissing and, like, they're being intimate with each other. And then it flashes back to reality again. Like, his hallucinations are, like, very interspersed throughout the episode. They definitely are. Uh, It is nice to see Paul, played by uh, Francois Arnaud. Um, You know, I think he – they make a really cute couple. It's really nice to see Ben, you know, with with his guy. I enjoy that. But it's – time again it is sad um it's sad to see his internal struggle you know being again in the 90s when you know things are not as progressive as they are now yeah. with gay relationships gay marriage wasn't even a thing back then um so i think that part of it was sad but also sad was seeing you know his regret and even going on the trip um something i yeah. found interesting from that scene was you know he called the girls um monsters or you know didn't you say they're all terrible monsters or something so I thought that was an interesting um observation to throw in there too because if if Ben thought they were monsters before this god he's (laughs) really got to think they're monsters after watching them like consume you know their their teammates so and from what it seems like like the way that the conversation was like occurring is that Paul was very open about who he was and the fact that he was out and he was gay and living this life because he says something to Ben, like, I need you to do this with me like a hundred percent, like essentially, like you can't have one foot in and one foot out the door. Like if you're going to do this, we're going to do this and we're going to do it right. Like you need to 
be open about who you are, be open about the fact that you're with me because I'm comfortable sharing that with other people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I I really, you know, love and appreciate those scenes. Mm-hmm. Pardon me, super thirsty over here. Um, got my Showtime mug, yellow jackets, of course. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Get that in the Paramount slash Showtime shop. Um, so another part of this episode, like we said, digestive is like the fallout and the strange hangover, if you will, the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brian had talked last night a little bit on the Hive After Dark about it being kind of like awkward the day after like a sexual encounter, which I thought was a really good metaphor because everybody kind of reacted in their own way. There were some who, you know, thought it was awkward. Like they weren't really like overtly talking about it, but the real person who was shocked, you know, they all kind of come outside, see Jackie, um, Ty, right? Like Ty was in one of her dissociative identity disorder states when this Mm -hmm. happened. So she doesn't even remember consuming her. She, the thought of it sickens her. She actually goes and throws up and like Van says to her, Ty, you ate her face, which I mean, another like Van one-liner, but like, I mean, like that just nails nails down like Ty is really struggling with these you know mental health issues that are you know probably triggered by all the trauma and stress in the wilderness of course we know that she has seen this man with no eyes before Mm -hmm. Uh, we know her grandmother has seen it a fan had actually messaged us and told us that um, dissociative identity disorder does not run in family so it's not genetic so um, you know even though we're seeing Sammy like seeing things and making these drawings um, if it is dissociative identity disorder it is not a genetic thing so um you know maybe it is a supernatural but we see ty sleepwalking again Mm -hmm. in this episode um and this time she's talking to van as her other self which we don't even you know know her name yet but it's interesting because she's like going to the symbol Mm -hmm. did she draw those symbols there herself is the man with no eyes just leading her there were they already there are they markers of protection like that one we saw before right at the edge of a cliff oh yeah you know maybe a warning but um this time like it's escalating and those symbols to me anyways at least the one that they showed in last night's episode like that looked freshly carved like that did not look like that was an old carving so maybe ty did carve those symbols in her state and for some reason like i know we've talked about this before that like van says to her like van sees meaning in where she's going ty sees no meaning in where she's going because ty is leading them to places where the symbol is and she doesn't understand why and neither does van but my thinking is that she's going to lead them to symbols all throughout the wilderness that will make the actual shape of the symbol as a whole. I mean, we've seen them laying out the map with kind yeah. of like the symbol overlay on it in the new open. And we've seen that, you know, a piece of the map. So that could definitely yeah. be. And just really quick back to the moss for a minute. The moss has been a whole situation, right? We've mm-hmm. seen Ned inspecting that tree trunk with the moss growing on it with no snow on it which again like people are speculating what's under there is this where the underground bunker is then we see this tree with the moss growing all around it but clear around the symbol which is you know Mm -hmm. in red this time which is interesting too is that blood is that i mean what's up with the moss like we we're seeing close-ups of the moss as well on like the cabin windows you Mm -hmm. know indoors and outdoors and i believe someone said that there was a moss close-up when lisa was decapitating the chicken as well so Mm -hmm. there's something to the the moss like it showed the blood just like dripping down the moss yeah but yeah you're right like they have really focused on moss for some reason and like that tree stump that Natalie inspects in the, is it the first episode or the second that she like bends down and ex- inspects it? I can't remember. Which I think one. it's the second, but I'm not positive. But like you said, like moss can photosynthesize like below the surface. So it makes me think that like that could be tied to some kind of like underground thing that like we haven't seen yet, especially with the preview for episode four with Lottie climbing down that hatch but 
that hatch, like, I, it reminds me of Lost. <laughs> and I really don't want the show to go in that direction. So I'm kind of hoping that that scene is like a hallucination because it shows electricity. And how would they have electricity all the way out there? Unless there is some kind of like a dam situation like we've speculated before, like a hydroelectric dam that would have power to it as well. And that would, a lot of that would be underground. So that would make sense. But I feel like the 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 hatch has to, I'm thinking it's along the lines of a hallucination. All right. Well, you know what? I feel like somebody needs to put that on their Yellow Jackets bingo card, <laughs> which again is at tinyurl.com slash Yellow Jackets bingo. These are the types of theories that we want to know if they come true or not. It's so yeah. much fun to speculate. So we will see what happens. But um, back to the teen timeline, uh, Natalie actually makes a suggestion that they should move Jackie's bones to where everybody else is buried. So she ends up going by herself. Travis offers, of course. Coach Ben makes the comment and says something like, oh, well, yeah, then, you know, at least everybody will think she died like everybody yeah. else or whatever in this kind of sarcastic slash angry, disturbed tone. Yeah. Um, so we touched upon it last night. It will be interesting, you know, if they do retrieve the remains, which we assume mm -hmm. they probably do because they're going to want to bury them properly and have a service, all of that. Um, how closely will they inspect them? Will they notice that it looks like Jackie was eaten? Um, if they bury her, you know, how closely do they inspect the bones? Like, and the odds of an animal having eaten the bones if yeah. she's buried, like, eek, yikes. But mm. even if they, like, even if they know that they ate her, like, it's horrible. Obviously, it's horrible. But how can you fault someone in that situation for trying to survive? Like, if it wasn't her, it would have been someone else. And they might even say, like, they did that to everybody that died. Like, so that way, it's not just Jackie. Maybe they say they did that to Rachel. Maybe they say they did that to Coach Martinez. Like, because they needed food to survive. Granted, at that point in time, they weren't in the situation that they were in when they ate Jackie, like just crashing, not being starving for food. But in order to have like continuity, if you will, like maybe they say the same thing happened to every single person that dies. Right. Uh, and, you yeah. know, again, we're still on the soft cannibalism phase here, too. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the soft cannibalism law excuse all the hard stuff that we will yeah. eventually get to. So, yeah. um, so yeah, um, you know, Nat, uh, again, is being moral compass of the group. She's trying to do the mm -hmm. right thing. You know, she brings Jackie's remains back to the plane and she has a really nice moment, you know, kind of thanking her for helping them survive the winter. And, um, I think I wrote that. I thought I wrote that one down, but I'm not seeing it in here. The monologue that she gives, like she says something like she wants to thank Jackie and that if it weren't, if who knows, like maybe because they ate her, they might be able to survive the winter. And she says, I think shit is going to get a lot worse out here, but way to go making you're dead already so way to go making everybody jealous of you one last time like jackie's got to get that in there everybody's jealous of jackie they're jealous that she's dead because she's no longer in this terrible situation absolutely um you know what before we continue let us take a quick break for an ad that but back to the teen timeline now um we have shoddy uh shauna shoddy oh my god talk <laughs> about a ship name <laughs> I love we it. have Shauna. Yes, right. Um, we have Shauna and Lottie having a conversation about eating Jackie, and uh, Lottie brings up the idea of having a baby shower. Like Shauna's super into it at first, but um, I think they need something to look forward to. This is kind yeah. of akin to Doom coming. Um, mm -hmm. you know, now that they have like the weight lifted of Shauna not talking to Deadass Jackie, now that they mm -hmm. think they have some closure on Javi, it's like, okay, let's move on to the next thing. Let's have a baby yeah. shower. Um, and, really, and the girls get excited. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's really interesting too that when Lottie's talking to Shauna about the baby shower, she keeps referring to the baby as a him. Like, she keeps saying, uh, he will, we, we will do this for him, which I found 
really, really interesting that for some reason, like she's convinced that this baby is a boy. And if you want to put stock into Lottie knowing her shit and being able to predict things, if that baby is a boy, like that will be like next level. Right. I and mean, we've all been led to believe it was a girl named yeah. Molly, potentially based on what we in the based on yeah. family photos we've seen on Shauna's wall. So that's interesting. And another thing people have been speculating about is, you know, if Lottie's saying it's a boy and we think it's a girl, Lisa, um, Lisa mm -hmm. is played by Nicole Maines, who's a trans actress. And, you know, people are saying, oh, well, maybe, you know, the the baby ends up, you know, being a, a trans woman, um, which is interesting because people are on two sides of that. Um, you know, people mm -hmm. were calling out people saying, hey, just because she's a trans actress, it doesn't mean she has to play a trans yeah. role. But at the yeah. same time, she's a huge advocate and proponent of that and really mm -hmm. wants to portray a trans character. So I don't yeah. think it's out of line speculating that at all, especially because she feels strongly about that. Um I would be surprised if the show goes in that direction because boy, yeah, that's like a whole extra twist. Um, there's also been speculation that she could be Lottie and Travis's love child. So there's a lot of like Lisa speculation. She's the only character that we really, that has a name and a presence, you know, within Charlotte's cult. So yeah. there's gotta be some kind of meaning to that. Um, I'm more on the on the fence that she could be Lottie and Travis's child. Like, I think that would just like, throw a whole nother component into this story if that was true oh my god that would be like incredible and that would bring new meaning to like what happened with travis's death like that mm -hmm. would maybe give lottie a reason to lie i don't know what that reason would be yet but yeah. i mean i think we all think that lottie is lying about travis's death so oh absolutely TBD. Um, but next up in the teen timeline, we see this conversation between Misty and Crystal, which is hilarious. Um, yes. You know, she said that wasn't the first time I've eaten a person. And Emily, who was the first person that she consumed? She absorbed her identical twin in the womb. <laughs> yes. Um, and the which she said is like actually more common than you think, but it just like put like there's evidence that like crystal is just as wackadoodle as misty and like they are two sides of the same coin and misty was like when miss when she told misty that the look on misty's face too she was like oh my god like i've always wanted to know what it's like to pretend to be somebody else or something like that and she like latches onto that and like the look in her eyes is just like i made my new best friend yeah, I mean, it's it's alarming. And, you know, Crystal shares a secret with Misty. We know Misty will share a secret with Crystal, which we've speculated to be that she destroyed the black box. So we'll see what that ends up being. But um, it'll be really fun to talk to Nuha in a couple of weeks, who will be mm -hmm. joining us um, on the Hive After Dark. So cannot wait to speak with her. Yeah. Um, so bad again. She goes to the plane, deposits the bones, has the whole um, the whole conversation. Um, and you know what? I was looking for that quote, too. I thought you did put it in here. Let's see. I thought did I did, you... too. That's so weird. Let me see. Okay. Did I leave it in um, actual notes? Because sometimes I do that. Yeah. Eh, whatever. We know that she has a nice goodbye moment with Jackie. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we... Um, we see the moose, you know, that ends up happening in that situation. So some speculation with the moose, right? Like albino moose can, um, you know, be a symbol, a sacred symbol in some cultures. Um, yeah. It could be bad luck to kill one. There was speculation that perhaps she was imagining it and it was like Jackie haunting or, you know, the wilderness coming. But as you pointed out last night, there was disturbance. So it yeah. seems as though the actual moose was there. Yeah. Um, and she she had a good shot and she missed. And that might be for the better if indeed it is bad luck or a bad omen to kill an albino moose. That's like the first time that she's shot and missed too. Like mm -hmm. she's so accurate with her shooting. And like she's been like, I mean, we saw when she shot the cans, like she hit every single can. Like that's really hard to do. So for her to be that close to the moose and miss, 
I feel like was intentional and we're going to see the moose again. And it was such a big target. I mean, even yeah. though it scared her and all that, like she should have made that shot. So I do think yeah. it was intentional that that, moose, um, you know, didn't end up playing. Um, yeah. So we then see Ty and Van with their stockings. We talked a little bit about that. Van is having this conversation with Ty, not Ty. And Ty mentions two separate things here, a female and a male, right? She mentions that she goes where he shows her. And then mm-hmm. she said something about, you know, she wants me to or something. What or like I, I, he, When she lets me, I think is what she said. When she lets me, right. Yeah. So we have man with no eyes and then we have she. So mm-hmm. so she is referring to Ty, obviously. Yeah. Um, and we do know who this other person is. We don't know what their name is. Um, no, but, you know, she says like uh I go where he shows me and Van says when who shows you and she says the one with no eyes she doesn't say the man with no eyes she says the one with no the eyes. one with no eyes and then and then she says um she, I go where she where she lets me and that's when Van says who and Thaisa says Thaisa and Van asks well who are you and Thaisa doesn't say anything. She just turns around and looks at her with this like creepy smile and just keeps going. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really bizarre, and you know, it just makes us question everything that Ty has done, both as a teen yeah. and an adult. Um, and of course, we see Thaisa. We'll get a little bit, you know, into that as we go, but. Uh, the sleepwalking is definitely escalating and Van is yeah. all in on trying to support Ty, you know, however possible. Um, then we have another Ben hallucination. And this is when he starts hallucinating something that's not true. So he had yeah. he had seen Rabies Girl in one of his hallucinations prior to this. But this one is where... Um, you know, he wants to be with Paul and then says he won't be attending the Nationals. And then they show a news clip that the flight mm-hmm. didn't make it to its final destination. So we know that that part is what he had hoped had happened. I mean, yeah. God, he's got to be having like the biggest regrets ever for getting on this flight if he was at all questioning yeah. it. And I mean, poor, poor Ben. Oh, my just God. Like the, like just thinking about like being in that situation yourself and like knowing you want to do something but like you're so afraid to do it and then to think like you never have that opportunity to go back to that and change your mind because like you're in this finite situation where you're stranded in the wilderness you have no idea if you'll ever be rescued so like it's kind of set in stone essentially like what happened between them and that has to like literally be eating him alive like not to have a bad pun, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I appreciate and enjoy that pun. So not not. Um, then into the baby shower scenes in the teen timeline. Um, you know, again, I think it's interesting how vested Mari is, for instance, in making the gifts. I'm trying to pull up the Mari photo of her baby uh, mobile here. Let me just find it. But like, it's funny because it's made of um like sharp poking sticks. So like, yeah. I think it's Dan that says, Oh, so the baby can dream about like getting stabbed in its sleep or something, yeah. something, something like that. Um, but like, look how happy she is. You know, she's really proud of her work. I think, you know, these sticks could be foreshadowing, you know, that she's pit girl. I think everyone's got their money on Mari's pit yeah. girl, but she's very invested in the mobile. Um, Van makes a changing TP, which I think is hilarious. Um, it, it's like a moment that kind of brings it like back to reality. Like, you yeah. know, like that's a real gift that you'd get at a baby shower yeah, and, and Sean's like oh, oh my god that's fine <laughs> probably should have but um <laughs> but that was that was funny and you know and then we see Lottie give the blanket to Shauna mm-hmm. and we've seen pictures of the blanket in previews it has a symbol sewn into it but um Nat wasn't thrilled that Lottie had stitched the symbol into the blanket she calls no. it creepy and um, it's like they start to kind of like show their support of Lottie at this yeah. moment. And then, you know, when we get to the birds, but um, and, and uh, all of a sudden we hear this like noise on the roof mm-hmm. after Shauna got a bloody nose and like some blood dripped onto the symbol, which could be yep. seen as some kind of an offering. And then, you know, the birds all um, drop 
out of the sky. Um, yeah. You know, Misty mentions there's a lot of iron in the ground. It could have messed with their navigation. Yeah. Nat says, don't touch them. It could be disease. Um, you know, I went down a few rabbit holes about reading about starlings, murmurations, birds falling from the sky. As Brian mentioned last night, it could be that they were dodging some kind of a predator. Yeah. Um, and everything I've read, it doesn't necessarily say it's like a bird flu thing. It seems it's something else, some kind of other disturbance. So maybe the birds aren't diseased, but I still wouldn't be touching them personally. My mom keeps bringing up the idea of mercury poisoning as well. Mm. She thinks that the mercury poisoning could be behind a lot of what's happening, like the dead animals, the change in the girl's behavior, if they're eating all of these things that are poison mercury, because that can really mess with the brain if you consume a lot of mercury. So my mom, for some reason, is like convinced that it has to do with mercury poisoning. <laughs> God, I mean, it, it definitely could be. There could be any yeah. kind of poisoning, like runoff. You know, we've seen the red water it could be runoff like from an old mine or something like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I mean, to go from like the baby shower and first of all, like also Misty's like super <laughs> kind of like odd steel magnolias monologue, which was hilarious, especially her wearing that purple kitten sweater to go to the dead birds is like one spectrum to the other. Um, yeah. and then Lottie says we should gather his blessings and, mm -hmm. you know, the girls start gathering up the dead birds. They place them at her feet, but not all the girls. Some of them are buying in and gathering birds while others just walk and go back inside. What would you put them? Would you be hearing dead birds or going back inside? I would have been back in that cabin in two seconds. And not only that, when she says we should gather his blessings, who is he? Like, is she referring to Shauna's unborn baby because she thinks it's a boy? Or like, what Like, what else could she be talking about? Because it's obviously like, they're not talking about Travis. They're not talking about Coach. Nope. So that's my like logical guess is that we should gather his blessings for the baby. God, I mean, the timing of it makes sense, right? Like right as the blood offering comes from Shauna's nose onto the symbol. I read yeah. somewhere someone speculated maybe the baby actually like died at that time. I don't think that yeah. happened. I think yeah. it's common for women to get bloody noses during pregnancy. So I don't know if I buy into that. But, yeah. um, you know, between the dead birds and then what we see in the adult timeline with Lottie hallucinating the dead bees, I definitely think there's a correlation. Oh, yeah. um, that and the moose. Like there's a lot of heavy animal imagery within this episode so there's yeah. there's definitely something um something to that so yeah. as we move into the adult timeline uh, we open and we now kind of um spying on Lee as she's doing one of her sessions if you will mm -hmm. yeah if you can tell that nat is like a complete skeptic when it comes to everything that lottie does and if i were there I'd probably be the same way because she's like, breathe through your pain, Trinity, breathe through your pain. Like, and this woman is just like hysterically sobbing. And those are the kind of things that like I view as like, I don't know, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like hocusy pocusy, if you will. Like, <laughs> I don't necessarily think that there's a lot of truth behind it. It's that the people that are participating in it believe that there's truth behind it. Right. And what's interesting is Nat's still there. Cause in the last yeah. episode, you know, she had gone to rest and lay down and, and Charlotte Lottie said, Oh, you know, you need to be rested and you can leave the next day. But now she's like yeah. still here the next day. She's got a smoothie in her hand. <laughs> um, I wonder if it's ashwagandha or something else, but Maka root. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then Nat tries kind of like snooping on Charlotte's, um, private residence there yeah. and Lisa shuts her down. But note, Emily, what was one thing that we saw on Charlotte's residence that could maybe be foreshadowing? We got another pair of antlers. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do. That to me is just another indication that she is the antler queen. Like we'll get to this in a little bit. Like when she delivers that monologue about the bees to Natalie that's another reason that makes me think that she's the antler queen. But it also makes me think that it's possible that at some point in time that she's like overthrowing her power and somebody else steps in just based off of what she says in that monologue. 
Yes, with the bees. Um, absolutely. I think there's going to be a lot of truth in that, um, as mm -hmm. with the thing that the rest these four in the show. Um, yeah. And we then see um, Simone and Ty in the hospital. Simone mm -hmm. is like hooked up to all the tubes. It's really sad. But this line really got me, Emily. What did the doctor say to Ty or the nurse? We're, we're not out of the woods yet. Right. I mean, was, we're not out of the woods yeah. yet. Yeah. Woods. Woods, you guys. Woods. You see where we're going with it. And the whole, like, having the symbol on her hand, like, the doctor said, the nurse, whatever, says, like, that's such an interesting design. Like, what is that for? And Ty sees it and she says it's for luck, which I found interesting because the way that it's being played off of right now in the team timeline, like at least with Lottie anyways, is that she's very much convinced that this symbol is for protection. So if that's what we're to take it to mean, did she draw that to protect Simone from something like to protect Simone from dying to protect Simone from her? Like who knows? I mean, the fact that she drew the symbol and didn't realize it, um, yeah. you know, just again, confirms that, ties there in one of her states where she doesn't even remember doing yeah. it. It's like a default mechanism that she's um, she's just going back to. So, but of all the people to draw the symbol, I just didn't see that person to be Ty. So, no. I mean, it's not Ty though, right? It is her altar. So. Yeah. yeah. And then when we see her in the hospital again, still like, I don't know if it's also like, if it all happened sequentially but she said like she goes and she's standing in front of the mirror in the hospital she turns around her reflection is still staring at her she turns back around and she sees that her reflection is doing something different and she gets very scared and her reflection starts mouthing to her go to her go to her i took that to mean van and as soon as that happened she goes back out she talks to her campaign manager, gets her campaign manager's car keys, makes a phone call to Jessica Roberts, which blew my mind <laughs> because we like you don't realize that like this is all happening in the adult timeline in the span of days. So she has no idea like what's happened to Jessica at this point. So I'm thinking she reaches out to Jessica to try to find Van because Jessica says, like, a lot of you like to live off the grid. My thinking is maybe Van is one of those people. I don't know if that's true. But either way, if Ty doesn't know where Van is, she's assuming that Jessica will be able to find her. And yep. that's obviously not the case because Jessica is dead. <laughs> that is correct. Um, I mean, we haven't seen her confirmed dead, but we did see the Parsippany Poisoner mentioning on the Reddit board yeah. Um, that, you know, Misty and Walter are a part of. So we can assume she's dead. But also yeah. I think it's interesting that the way Ty's reflection is fashioning her hands yeah. um, kind of is oriented in a way of like the placement of Van's scars. So yeah. I think that that's, you know, just another um, reference to her going to find Van. But yeah, that Jessica Roberts phone call was just so quick. Um, you know, I don't even like I don't I didn't even pick it up the first time. Like I saw it when I, I rewatched. So I thought that was um, that was interesting. And hopefully we'll get some more closure on, um, you know, what what happened with that. And, yeah. you know, is Misty going to get charged with it? That's all to be determined. Um, Another thing that I found interesting when Ty did that with her hands like on her face was it reminded me of the masks that they wore during Doom coming too, because like half their face is covered and like that's what she's doing like she's covering half her face so it really made me think about that like it's tied to van like obviously we know it's tied to van and we know yep. we're getting lauren ambrose next episode so finally <laughs> uh cannot wait of course we mentioned this on the after last night um you know Bain and some others think that van is going to be a, a hallucination of ty but yeah. I feel like she's going to be a real person. I, I think we did see her in the um, the preview of all the adults dancing around the fire. Although who knows? I mean, that could be a hallucination too. However, yeah. I'd like to think that they all end up coming together there and, and that dance yeah. actually happens. So um, of course, 
have to pay attention and see like is van talking to other people as well or is she only in scenes with ty um again i don't know if i buy that but hey it's out there so we yeah. may as well just briefly mention it um I another really real. i think so too i mean yeah. i i i would have to agree with that yeah. um we finally get to meet walter uh again in this episode we get a little bit more from his character i should say and um misty goes to meet him on his boat uh what is the name of the boat emily great expectations and i actually wrote it down um he when he meets her when they first meet each other they're having a conversation and walter says Look, if I'm being honest, I jumped at the chance to get out in the field with the incomparable African Grey. I've been watching you on the boards. Your nose for analyzing evidence is unparalleled. It's an honor to meet you, Misty Quigley. And I just loved that. Like, loved that so much. Because it goes to show, like, he is paying attention to her. He went to the nursing home specifically to find her. We know that that woman that he brought there now was his neighbor that was being evicted. And he was trying to help her find a place to live. But it was all a setup just to get at Misty. And Misty, like, can't fathom that anybody would want to, like, do something like that. To, like, try and get her attention. Because she is so starved for attention and tries to get attention from everyone else. That she can't believe that somebody is willingly giving her attention. Right. And I feel bad for her that she has those doubts because it does seem like Walter's genuinely interested in her unless this yeah. is all some like big guys and there's more to Walter's character than we know and he's trying to trick her. But to me, it feels pretty genuine. Um, yeah. You know, he wanted to involve her in the questioning of Randy, which Misty finds out it's Randy and is like, hey, I can't be seen. So that's when they come up with this protocol where she's in the bathroom and, you know, feeding um, into uh but of course, uh, first of all, I should mention that uh, Randy, played by Jeff Holman and um, Elijah Wood, Walter, uh, have worked together before. They were actually mm -hmm. both in Wilfred together. I loved Wilfred. I thought it was a really interesting show. Uh, Jeff Holman played a delivery guy in some episodes. And um, so anyway, it was not the first time they worked together. So I thought that was kind of noteworthy. And it was a funny scene, um, you know. Jeff, so I mean, funny. Randy thinks he's there because of Jeff. Randy thinks he's getting questioned because of the blackmail, but yeah, good thing he doesn't let it slip. But, you know, <laughs> Walter finally brings up like Nat and he's like, what are you talking about here? So I'm interested to see if he ends up letting it slip at some point, you know, that he's in on the blackmail. That was actually uh, my Misty moment of the week when Misty was in the bathroom and she's like, hit him, hit him right now. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That was so funny. I, I love that. They make a good team and it is kind of sad they knowing do. that we only get Walter Tattersall for one season, but know. you know, we'll take what we can get. See what happens with him and MFQ. Um, meanwhile, in the adult timeline, um, you know, Jeff and Shauna had been eating a meal at a diner together. They get in the car. Jeff had talked to Shauna about, you know, why she, if he mentions the yeah. strawberry lube and <laughs> feels like that was a moment, like a missed opportunity. He said, you know, that's for like what goths and bisexuals goths and bisexuals so yeah. you know jeff's really questioning like why shauna went and had that affair um yeah. and you know then they're driving and he's like hey we're going to colonial williamsburg and she's like <laughs> in virginia and he's like you know they talk about churning butter and blacksmithing and um you know i thought jeff had really gotten to know shauna by the end of season one getting her yeah. that dress at the end i feel like tied it all in a bow he's finally like sees Caesar for who she is, but I do think yeah. Colonial Williamsburg was not the right choice for a spontaneous no. like husband and wife date. Like you know, maybe that would have been more of like a family trip. I don't know. Colonial Williamsburg's great. I've been there like in eighth grade. It was really fun, but that wouldn't be what I'd want my husband to no. be offering up for. You know, for some spontaneous I, fun. I feel like he just brought up like the first thing that popped into his mind because like he was trying to be spontaneous, but I don't know if Jeff knows how to be spontaneous. <laughs> I don't think he does. God bless him though. No. I mean, you know, like he's, I don't know, like, yeah, he's a blackmailer and you know, he's not a perfect person, but 
he really does try with Shauna, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's defended her. He wants to bring her to Colonial Williamsburg because he thinks that's cute. <laughs> good, good for him, you know? Um, meanwhile, Lottie and Nat have um, an interesting conversation about the bees. Lottie's yes. uh, cult has some bees. Um, you know, we had seen a photo on the Yellow Jackets uh, close friends Instagram acolyte stories with mm -hmm. this crate, which looks like kind of a new symbol. We didn't actually see it on top of the box in the show of the bees, no, but I, so. I, I do believe that it that is what was on top of it. Yeah. Um, but what exactly does the part to Nat about bees and their behaviors? You want, do you want me to read what Lottie says? I can. Yes, that would be okay. great. Yes. She says, our original beehive, in winter, they cluster around the queen and they vibrate to keep her warm. Natalie says, how thoughtful. Lottie says, when a new queen hatches, the first thing she does is stings all the other unborn queens to death. And Natalie says, I can see why you like them. And Lottie says, it isn't brutal. It's natural. It's simply what has to be done. Otherwise, they starve. We all do. I mean, that is telling, right? Like, does this yeah. tie into what happens in the wilderness? Um, oh, I think so, 100%. I mean, it it absolutely has to. And then, of course, you know, we'll get into her hallucination later on. But I think that's an important conversation. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's all about the queen bee. And, you know, um, she, says, she says something, too, about how they vibrate around the around the queen in the winter to keep her warm and that to me made me think in this episode specifically at the end when we see them like kind of picking sides like you see some of the girls with the dead birds you see some going inside I think those girls are going to be the girls that cluster around her and make her this queen figure and there will be opponents that she will strike down in order to maintain this, this like queen status that she has. Right, right. Um, and then, of course, you know, we'll see the hallucination at the end with the dead bees. And then we saw the dead birds. And I've got mm -hmm. to think this is all, you know, tied into one another. Yeah. Um, so back to Jeff and Shauna, their minivan had gotten stolen. Um Jeff had a really funny line that was like, what are you Rambo? And, you know, you uh, Shauna takes the gun and, you know, is trying to like fight back against these guys trying to take the minivan. Normally you just like let them take the minivan, but not Shauna. Rambo <laughs> apparently has some other thoughts. So, um, so funny too, because Jeff was like, Shauna, or Jeff was like, he had a gun. And Shauna was like, I have the gun now. And Jeff is like, what you that is insane like you should not have that my husband laughed so hard at that point <laughs> oh my god I thought that was hilarious um and then more hilarity is ensuing back on the boat with Walter and Misty you know questioning Randy um Randy's like ready to offer Jeff up on a silver platter oh um but then they kind of switch gears a little bit Randy uh tells Walter they saw the people at the motel um, all dressed in purple and, mm -hmm. you know, drinking Fantas from the vending machine. So that kind of like takes it in another direction and that gets some like wheels turning with Walter and Misty. Misty eventually will be like, oh, hey, like we can get the credit card records. And so they're starting to put the pieces together. Um, I wonder if they were drinking purple Fanta because they are all dressed in purple. Or I mean, like the standard like orange Fanta. I mean, I've, I've got to think that they were drinking purple Fanta. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course, we know that vending machine, you know, ends up getting um, vandalized and destroyed by Nat at one point anyway, because she could not get her snack out. So, yeah. Um, Jeff, again, we have uh, wearing a an old high school sleeveless gray um, sweater to the gym confronting Kevin. I think him confronting Kevin was a really big mistake. I think it just oh, like... Yeah shined a light on you know the potential guilt of shauna and kevin's kind of like hey dude like your wife's cheating on you like what are, yeah. what are you doing like jeff's not doing him or shauna any favors by confronting kevin tan like zero jeff also says something in that moment to kevin like he says something like i've been married to my wife for almost 25 years i know my wife which 
I thought was interesting because we speculated that they were married for 20 years. So did they get married earlier than we think? Like, were they married like right when they got back or did they wait a couple years and he's just kind of like, like rounding like, up maybe yeah exactly yes. rounding up yeah right because we saw their wedding announcement in like one of the fake magazine cover not fake yeah one of the magazine cover um, and i did think that it was like five years after Same. the crash so Same. maybe it is just a, a rounding up situation yeah but either way jeff should not have confronted kevin that was a big mistake um meanwhile so shauna has somehow figured out where her minivan is there must be like a tracker or something and she goes into this um this yard to get it back she's got a gun she confronts the guy and delivers what I believe is the best monologue of this entire episode out of the three. Emily, yeah. why don't you read us exactly what Shauna says to the man? Okay. Have you ever peeled the skin off of a human corpse? It's not as easy as you might think. It's really stuck on a skin. You have to roll it back just like the edges of it so you can get a good enough grip to really pull, which again, isn't easy. People are always so sweaty when you peel them, just like oily. There's a look people get when they realize they're going to die. It's this one. My hand wasn't shaking because I'm afraid. It was shaking because of how badly I wanted to do this. Whew. Like the part about peeling the skin back. Oh. I mean, Ugh. wow. And she's just out here sharing that, you know, with this he guy. And savage, like just gives, straight up savage. He gives her the keys. Like he gives her the keys and she gets the minivan back. Like no big deal. But I mean, it just speaks to Shauna's state of mind. Like she's yeah. unraveling. She's doing dangerous things. She's putting herself and Jeff in danger. Yeah. I mean, she's lucky that she didn't get killed. She's lucky there wasn't somebody like watching the yard and she got shot going in. But yeah. like, she is absolutely savage. Do not fuck with Shauna Sadeki is, is yeah. like the number one lesson. I mean, God, she's stabbing at him. She's bringing guns and, you know getting stolen cars back like i mean yeah. is she is she rambo like she might be and know. and her excuse as to why she wanted the car back too was so funny because she's like my purse was in there and and our quarters were in there and a <laughs> pair of cross trainers that i just bought and mr mr schnookums or whatever she calls him like callie's toy for when she's six years old and he's like you're really gonna get us killed over our piece of shit minivan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, that she pays that off by actually getting the little Mr. Schnookums back and, you know, tucking yeah. it into Callie. Um, so it's it's interesting. Like, she's trying to be, like, a good mom. I mean, that's yeah. not the reason why she got the minivan back, obviously. But, yeah. like, she has, like, a, a sense of, like, humanity and motherhood left inside of her. Because, like, when she's sitting at standing at the door like watching Callie sleep you know I mean yeah it's like a tricky relationship that they have so yeah. um anyway so she got it back she got the minivan back um we see Misty wearing the same cat sweater that she had in season one um so I think that's funny of course you know she has that on during the Steel Magnolias monologue earlier in the episode and and, um, you know, then it's it's funny to see adult Misty, you know, wearing um, wearing the same cat sweatshirt. Yeah. So full circle moment. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then we have Lottie. Um, she's got a sharing circle going. She actually makes Nat join in to participate. And um, Lisa forgives Natalie for hurting her. Like, how did that play out, Emily? I feel like there was some major manipulation happening in that scene because, Lottie makes Natalie stand up, participate. Then she calls on Lisa and she says something to Lisa like, you let people walk all over you and you don't express your anger. So, and then she goes and she grabs the fork that Natalie used to stab her in the hand and gives it to Lisa and says, if you want to hurt Natalie, I give you permission to hurt her. Like, talk about like, mind fucking somebody like you're saying like let go of your pain like be this peaceful kumbaya person but here's the fork that somebody just jabbed in your hand if you want to do the same thing like 
crazy, like such crazy manipulation tactics. Like you can tell in that moment that Lottie really plays mind games with these people like big time. Oh my God. Absolutely. Big time. And meanwhile, like Lottie's having some stuff go on in her own mind, right? Because Mm -hmm. the last thing that we see the uh, present timeline is her imagining that, um, you know, all of her bees have died, which again, like we see the dead birds in this episode. So it's really interesting to see those two things together in an episode. We see her, you know, with this imagined blood on her hands and the actual hive, like a literal blood hive, like, you know, blood and dead bees. But we then learn that she's actually hallucinating it. And as one of the cult members comes over to talk to her, um, she's asking her like, you know, do you want to join us for lunch? But in her head, she's actually hearing he wants blood in French, which the French is coming back into play again. And Mm -hmm. he wants blood. Who is he? Um, Is it, I I don't, I don't know. Is it cabin daddy? Is it like Shauna's baby that's born a boy? And like, I don't know, like it could be so many different things. It could go in different directions. You know, it's like how how Ty is telling me, you know, he leads me to the symbol and when Mm -hmm. she lets me to, and now, you know, this mysterious he, like the pronoun usage is really interesting and it's not giving us any answers. Um, Hopefully we'll get them soon. But I just don't see that the dead bees, the dead birds and the non-dead moose are not like connected in some way. Again, it's a lot of like, animal um symbolism yeah so and again like just really quick to recap that symbol on the tree with the moss around it and you know another interesting thing was mari mentioning the dripping the hearing Mm -hmm. the only one that hear it people are speculating is is this foreshadowing for like the sound of the dripping blood because she's pit girl um I don't know if anybody has ever watched The Haunting of Hill House. It is on Netflix. Yeah. So there's a character in there. Her name is Nell. And spoiler alert, if you've not seen the show, I don't know, you might not want to listen, but it's been out forever. She she's haunting her future self. Like her character in the show, her future self is haunting her. Like long story, long story, but could it be the type of thing where Mari's getting these like sounds or premonitions and like her future fate is like haunting her? Yeah. I don't know. Like that maybe is a little bit absurd, but why is she the only one that hears the dripping? Like where is the dripping coming from? What's going on with the dripping? Some people were saying they think the dripping is because the cabin is on top of like, um, excuse me, a mine shaft or something like that. And they're hearing the dripping drip down into this shaft. But why would Mari be the only one to hear it? And I like went back and listened and like, you can actually hear dripping. Like there really is a dripping sound when she asks that question. <laughs> so the fact that, like you said, the fact that she's the only one that's hearing it could be like, almost like an omen as to what's going to happen to her. Right. I mean, it's, it's hard to say, but I think that obviously like everything it's there for a reason. We will find out eventually. I mean, I've got Mari pegged as pit girl. I need to make my own yellow jackets bingo card, Emily. I need to just like get on that and finally post it again, tinyurl.com slash yellow jackets bingo. So you can make your own, um, yellow jackets bingo card but um as we wrap up just a couple more um you know funny or or whatever quotes from the episode i also enjoyed crystal and misty talking about bone broth um, oh, yes. too, too bad they didn't listen to your broth idea it's not a party without snacks crystal <laughs> says that and then misty says i know and it would have been so good not like deviled eggs good And Crystal's like, totally, but not like entirely terrible. Like, I love the dialogue between those two. I think that was hilarious. It's adding a little bit of like 
levity to the cabin, which is much needed. And, you know, to all the haters of all the JV girls, whatever, I think it's nice having more characters there. I think it it adds a little bit more depth to the timeline. Um, And you know who else has been getting some hate on Twitter is um, Simone like her character like people don't love that she is like threatening and abandoning ty at her time of need but in my mind if my wife or spouse whoever had constructed an altar with like your dead dog's head and like all these other disturbing things i'm sorry but that is plenty of enough reason like you know she expresses in the car like you're very sick you know you need help so it's not like she doesn't want to help her but she's trying to protect her and her child so to all the haters out there like stop just just stop come on yeah like and who's to say you know what you would like that is such a crazy scenario to even imagine happening that like how can you say you know what you would do like if your spouse actually beheaded your family dog and made an altar and you found it in your basement like that is some next level like creepy like you need therapy help kind of situation and my immediate reaction would probably be the same like get as far away as possible because you don't understand it yeah and you want to keep your food safe Right. And maybe threatening the press wasn't like the right thing. Like, again, like people who threaten things like get over yourselves, first of all. But like, again, she's just trying to like protect her and Sammy. So whatever. Um, The episode music, episode 203, Digestive, uh, we heard some songs. Um, We heard Past Not Forgotten by the Parachute Men. These Are Days by 10,000 Maniacs, Full-Time Jack Move by Larry Thomas West, Bells for Her by Tori Amos. Oh, my God. I love that. I love Tori. Mm. I love that this is the second song we've had from her. Cornflake Girl, of course, was um, earlier. Um, Seether, Veruca Salt. That was early in the episode. I love that. Absolutely my husband that. commented on that. He was like, oh, my God, I remember this song. <laughs> Yes. And I feel like it's one that we had like talked about before being a great choice. And I'm glad that they were able to work it in there. Um, When I Go Walking by Pope Coke and Take Me Down by Sonica Disturbia. So um, some great music in there. And then looking ahead to next week, the episode is called Old Old Wounds. And we got a sneak peek. I have not received my Yellow Jackets mail yet. California seems to get ours like more like Wednesday, Thursday. But someone on Twitter did get theirs for Old Wounds. And we see a VHS tape, which I think might have something to do with Van and her job in a vintage or consignment store. Um, Mm -hmm. We see Leonard the teddy bear again. And we see Moose Tracks. The teddy bear is interesting. Like, is the teddy bear symbolizing like you know, something they're going to give to the baby? Is it symbolizing like Leonard coming back into play somehow? Like we've seen Lottie looking at this snow covered airplane. Could it be something like that? We've obviously seen Laura Lee, you know, coming back. So, um, you know, in, in her demonic state, but, uh, and and the moose tracks, like, so yeah, we probably see the moose again. Um, And then another preview for next week is the falling through the ice scene. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it looks like Nat has fallen through the ice and Travis is rescuing her. Again, what are they doing on the ice? Why are they there? Are they tracking the moose? Are they ice fishing? You know, that could be um, something uh, we will see. And then, of course, we had also seen Lottie um, crawling through that hatch, which we talked about. So I think that's interesting. Um, And, you know, one more thing. I just noticed this picture in here again. Um, from Aggie African Gray on Twitter um, with Walter and his reference to uh, Moriarty. Uh, mm-hmm. Walter said, maybe I'm just a bored Moriarty looking for my Sherlock. Moriarty is a dangerous foe, an intelligent match for Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. He's Sherlock's main antagonist. It could also be foreshadowing of his death. Moriarty died mm-hmm. falling off a cliff during a fight. So I yeah. um, just wanted to bring that in again. We had mentioned it on the Hive After Dark. And, um, you know, again, we're, we know Walter's only here for one season so I feel like that reference is an important one if he ends up dying falling off of a cliff then like wow wow you know that would be absolutely something yeah that would bring it like completely full circle 
it sure would it sure would but um i i absolutely love elijah wood he was like one of the highlights of this episode for me so so, like i just can't stop talking about him i mean even when he's in there like you know questioning randy with this tool (laughs) like he looks so like nice and kind and i feel like this friendly face like is it just a friendly face or is there more sinister motives going on underneath? I, I, can't I don't I think, know. I don't think that there's any sinister motives with Walter. Like I, and a uh, part of me thinks that because in the preview for next week, like they show Misty and Walter in the car and Walter says, I don't care that you're a yellow Jack that happened 30 years ago. And Misty's like 25, <laughs> but So for that reason alone, like, it really makes me think that he really is just a citizen detective, like, looking for his partner in crime. Right. That absolutely be. And, uh, again, TBD. So many things. TBD with Yellow Jackets. We are on episode four. So, gosh, we're, like, all halfway through the season, which is really hard to believe. It's gone by so fast. Uh, we've had so much fun covering things. Uh, do not miss our Yellow Jackets Hive after dark on Sunday, April 16th. It will be at 7.05 p.m. Pacific, 10.05 p.m. Eastern. We have Luciano buzzing into the hive, and we will be talking all about hobby. We cannot wait. Do not miss it. We will drop a link so that way you can set a notification. You can come join in the comments, you know, ask him comments live. I think that's one of the most fun interactive parts about doing our after show. So we are looking forward to that. And then, of course, we'll have Nuha on the week after. We will have Jenna Burgess, who plays Melissa, on uh, as well. So we are very excited for the episodes to come. Um, As usual, we appreciate all of you for consuming our content, and we look forward to seeing you again on Sunday. Yes, but until then, until we spill again.